Hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of Across the Pond. We're back again, Barry. Uh, different cross, different ponds again today. I'm in some uh, dodgy hotel. It's not dodgy at all. Um, it just <laughs> doesn't have an air conditioner and that is less than ideal when it is the heat that it is here in Madeira. Um, but uh, but yeah, uh, that, that's where we brought casting to you from today uh, from Madeira and uh, in Johannesburg. I should actually update that. Uh, that London little tag there, but but nevertheless, how are you doing, Barry? I'm doing all right, Chad. Um, as we as we'll get to, South Africa has been through a, a really tough couple of days, so I feel a bit worn down, to be honest. I feel quite all over the place. If I look at myself in the in the mirror, I can see I've had a tough couple of days. Um, but we are keep moving forward day by day, and it's been a good productive day today. So that's been good compared to the last couple of days. Mm. How's Madeira been, dude? No, good. Uh, I mean, not here on holiday. So, um, you know, it's it, but but it's been really nice in, in the evenings when, when I do kind of go for a walk myself, take the camera along. Um, certainly one of those will be landing up on Instagram, naturally. Um, and then, yeah, some, you know, on the sides of the working week, um, certainly you have like, you know, a bit of weekend time as well. So, uh, so yeah, so a, a quick in and out trip, to be honest, uh, just to handle some sort of personal admin. Um, but, uh, but yeah, glad, glad to at least be able to travel again. That, that was a surreal experience. Uh, no doubt about that. And, and just like what you, what was Barry, it like getting on the plane? What was it like getting on a plane? Yeah. Yeah. It was weird. It was weird. It was, it was a little bit weirder even, uh, to the first time I traveled after the last lockdown. Uh, obviously this time a lot more admin involved in terms of booking a PCR test and, uh, you know, just having all these, uh, locator forms, uh, one for Madeira. And then when I return back to the UK, going to need another one. Uh, so it's just more admin, but, but other than that, Barry, the, 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 the airport was really busy. Um, I, I flew, fairly early in the morning, lots of people there, uh, you know, now that there are a couple of green list destinations. I mean, as we as we talk about now, some of the ones that were on the green list have been removed. Uh, so Mallorca uh, and Menorca, the, the Spanish or Balearic Islands, uh, some of those have been removed, um, which is which is always interesting. A lot of people have to scramble back before, I think it's next week, Wednesday. Um, but but yeah, the little bit of travel that, that can happen is happening. Uh, and I, I only hope it becomes more normal, to be honest. I only hope it becomes no, more normal. Uh, but I mean, aside from that, Barry, just to just to touch on, on your points on, on everything that's happening in South Africa, and we're going we're gonna to obviously go through that. I've had a similar experience to you, to be honest. And, and I say some of my week has been overshadowed by uh, just, just my mood and, and that kind of... Uh, you know, itching almost to to just refresh the news. Uh, I found myself in uh, in these cycles that just kind of perpetuate of uh, ENCA and SABC uh, news, and you're just literally pulling down, uh, watching the latest uh, installment over and over again. Uh, and it's it's quite a hard one to 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 just be continuously on this like, hamster wheel and and to kind of eventually have to give give yourself a bit of a talking to and and voluntarily step off. Have you found the same thing? Yeah, definitely, Chad. It's one of those things where you're watching this thing through a screen. And uh, we've, we've chatted a thousand times in the past, Chad, about how the media distorts things and our social media yeah. kind of changes the way you think about different topics. But when something this hectic happens, it's impossible to turn your, your, your head away. It's impossible not to look in a sense. Um, and so I think a lot of South Africa and a lot of South Africans around the world have had a very unproductive week because, like yeah. you say, they've kind of been had their attention on, on all the news and all the stuff that's been going on. So. It's kind of like you want to be informed and you want to keep up to date, but you also don't want to get sucked into that that dark hole of just kind of going through 
just post after post after post after post. I mean, I would get to the end of the day and I'd look back on what I accomplished that day and it was, just no, it was nothing. <laughs> it was yeah. absolutely nothing. And then I'd have to work in the night to try and catch up for the work that I didn't do during the day. So today's been a little bit better. I've been a little bit more disciplined with, with not uh, following it as, as intensely. Nice. But it's hard just to keep your head away when this, these kinds of things are happening. Yeah, and uh, I mean, this is being recorded on the 15th of July. Uh, so if you are listening after the fact, obviously, this is this is moving very quickly. Um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll obviously keep you up to date with where we are at the moment, but that that's going to change. Um, and, you know, Barry, after the last three days, um, you know, that, that talking to that I gave to myself uh, today as well, uh, I didn't actually check the news once. Um, so, you know, you'll have to certainly give us a bit of an update. Um, so what's moved in the last 24 hours. Uh, but but yeah, other than that, I think we've got a lot to talk about today, Barry. Shall we get into it? Let's do it, Chad. The week that was. All right, so it's hard to know where to start and it's hard to know how to tackle this, Chad. So you have to forgive me as I kind of try and get some of my thoughts out here. Yep. But for those who aren't aware... Um, in South Africa over the past week or so, we've been through in a real crisis situation. We chatted in a previous episode about former President Jacob Zuma being sentenced to go to jail, and he eventually did go to jail. So Becky Chele managed to get him before the, the deadline, and he is now currently in Westville Correctional Prison or Correctional Services. Um, and while he did try and appeal for a rescindment of the sentence, and he tried to get an appeal of some sort, it just didn't happen for him, and so now he's in jail. And as we expected, we started to see some some protests. We started to see some people kind of speak out against against that. A lot of Zuma supporters, in the same way that they tried to kind of surround and Kandla when he was getting arrested, a lot of them came out into the streets to protest the fact that he actually did go to jail. So it was kind of a, a sparking point where a lot of people were very angry and a lot of frustrated, and, and the, politically it was a bit of a challenging situation. And what, what happened in, I think it started in Durban and KZN, we started to see some looting. So mobs of people were going into shopping malls, going into grocery stores, etc., and breaking into these malls and basically rampantly stealing all the stuff from the mall. And it started as one or two malls in KZN. KZN is where, is where Jacob Zuma's home home province. And so that's kind of why, why it started over there. Um, and the looting started in some isolated malls across KZN. Um, and over the course of the next 48 hours, it kind of just grew and grew and grew and grew to the point where there were multiple malls across KZN being looted at the same time. The same sort of looting spilled into areas of Gauteng here in Johannesburg. And across Johannesburg and across Durban and some other parts of KZN, we saw thousands and thousands and thousands of people um, breaking into shops, breaking into shopping malls and absolutely destroying them. So walking out with fridges and um, coffins and food and clothing and anything you can think of to the point where these shops were absolutely devastated. Um, obviously, this caused a lot of chaos, and there just wasn't enough police in these places to even put up a fight. So it was absolutely brazen. On live TV, we were, I mean, you and, you and I, Chad, were watching people just take the goods out of these places, break these things down, breaking things, trying to put them into cars and, and packets, and just thousands and thousands of people stealing stuff from these shops. Um, we saw lots of violence as well. We saw a few people die. We, fought, we saw shops on fire. We saw lots and lots of chaos. And basically a state of anarchy for about 48 to 72 hours here in South Africa. Um, very worrying signs for all of us. It was very, very difficult to watch, especially as it got more and more and more and more. And it got to the point where 
the police just was completely overwhelmed. They just didn't have the numbers because, of course, the police are still dealing with 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 COVID stuff. They're still kind of trying to keep their normal day to day lives going, and they just we just don't have enough police here in South Africa. It's just the, the the truth of the matter. And so, unfortunately, there was no kind of ramifications, and we saw thousands and thousands of of, of people like just looting and, and rioting. Um, and so what started as a Zuma protest chat actually had a lot of other social implications that we'll get to in, in a little bit. Um, but that's sort of what happened. And if we, if we look at what happens today, um, Sir Ron Pozo came and spoke to the country about a day and a half ago now and kind of deployed the military as, as, as um, support for the police service. So we've seen the military out in the streets and things have stabilized for the most part here in Gauteng. They're still a little bit down in KZN. But for the most part, um, things are re- relatively stable. I don't know what that means. Um, but we, are, we aren't seeing looting live right now as we speak. But a, an incredible amount of damage has been done, Chad. And the whole country is in a bit of a state of shock. Is that a fair summary? <laughs> yeah, I think that's the perfect summary. Uh, I mean, obviously, for, for those South Africans watching and, and listening, uh, you know, they'll already be completely up to date. But, but I think why it's so important is because uh, you know, I, I think this is a global story that's not really getting enough in t- attention in the media uh, overseas. I mean, I saw a couple of very short little clips up on sort of BBC or the Telegraph or whatever the case is, but it, it certainly isn't making headlines here even. Um, and, uh, and you know, it, it's, it's such a desperate state of affairs, um, one that I, I just can't comprehend myself. I mean, I feel so bad um, and, and almost scared really for, for all of the people I know uh, who, are, who are in South Africa uh, because, you know, it isn't just a case of, like you say, shops getting looted. looted. Uh, there is a bit of violence there too, uh, with with you know certain communities, um, you know, there's there's quite a bit of uh, tension uh, in in certain areas, uh, you know, more specifically in uh, in Durban and in, in Phoenix, I believe, and and, and some others. Um, but but yeah, certainly certainly just such a, a worrisome state of affairs, uh, and and you know far-reaching consequences. Uh, I mean, if we just look far, you know, beyond. Uh, so, so let's say we do reach a level of stability. Uh, within the next few days, uh, it, it's now the question of of how much uh, you know f- in financial terms, uh, how much has been taken, um, you know the, the damage as well because it's not stuff that's just been taken, Barry. We are also talking about malls that have been burnt down, um, and you know not one or two, uh, you know in large numbers, trucks set on fire, cars set on fire, um, you know all all sorts of stuff. So uh, you know far far reaching consequences here um and i think it's when you start to think about that as well uh well once you get past the kind of crisis and uh you know kind of handle everything that's happening currently uh it's it's the the looking to the future that i think is even more worrisome yeah definitely it's 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 exactly the right point and i I think it's definitely within the billions of rands it's that kind of number because we saw major warehouses being looted as well wasn't just the retail stores but major macro warehouses and and mass market warehouses being looted as well and like you said the damage is going to take years and years and years and years to get back um south african infrastructure isn't where we want it to be as it is right and the fact that you go into these these neighborhoods and you're destroying these, these these important piece of infrastructure is really dangerous and really damaging. Um, and so as as all of South Africa, the mood is incredibly somber, as you can imagine. Everyone is completely just devastated. Um, and I think that the long-term implications, both with the, the, the rebuild that has to happen, but also the reputational damage when it comes to international investors. I mean, if you're a grocery store chain yeah. or you're kind of a big, if you're Walmart right now, 
are you going to build stores here in South Africa? Like, why would you go through it if the if, if if this is what happens to your stores? You know, so lots of worries when it comes to that international involvement as well. Um, but more importantly, things like food security, Chad. So so the Durban port was looted. So a lot of the food and the stuff that was coming in from into the port is it might not be able to get to the rest of the country. A lot of these shopping centers in in these key areas. When you destroy all the shopping centers, like what happens to the food for those people, right? How do they get how do they get food to those areas and medication and all, all sorts of things? And we're still in the middle of this COVID third wave. That's another big part of this story, yeah. is that we saw thousands and thousands of people gathering in these looting environments, and who knows what's that, what that's going to do to the COVID numbers over the past over the next couple of weeks. We've already seen hospitals already stretched, and I've chatted to a lot of friends of mine in, in the healthcare system. Nurses can't get to work because of these riots, and uh, doctors can't get to work, and so it's putting even more pressure on the on the healthcare system that's already stretched as it is, and it was it's almost like a it's it's a double hit to the throat, Chad, because we were just over the peak. We had just started to see cases go down over the last couple of days, and and it felt like okay, maybe we've peaked this third wave. Um, and now we're going to have to wait and see over the next week or two to see see what these looting does to those COVID numbers. So it really is a a, a gut punch for everybody. I think everyone is very – I mean, I've been very sad the last couple of days, yeah. and it's been very tough emotionally just to kind of wrap your head around what's happening and try and understand what's going on because it's not a Zuma thing. Like I think it's the biggest thing that's yeah. come out of this and people are starting to realize it's, it's, not, a, it's not a Zuma protest. This has been a inevitable kind of flare-up that comes from living in the unequal society that we have. If you, if you kind of dig into some of the reasons that this happened, it, it's because of the rampant poverty in South Africa. It's because of the rampant inequality and the fa- and economic devastation that we've seen here because of the COVID lockdowns with our unemployment rate skyrocketing even more than it was. People are just desperate. And unfortunately, the, a lot of poor people felt like this was an opportunity to get some food for their families or to get some some goods for their, for their families. But it's so short-sighted because... What happens in a week's time when you've got no malls to go and get more food, right? Yep. And that's kind of the danger that everyone is 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 predicting is what are the medium and long-term implications of this. Um, it's it's a really dire, dire situation, Chad. And yeah, it's it's I don't know what to say. Yeah, it's like you say, it's the malls to, to get food in the future. Uh, but it's also all of those jobs uh, for all of those people in those malls. Um, you know, it's, it, it, you know, it, it's that, that, that is the pay packet, uh, of, of how many different families, um, for like we say, how many years it's going to take to, to rebuild all of this. Um, and, and talking about the damages, uh, I mean, I heard Sazria, which is, I believe the agency that handles, uh, the insurance for, for these types of, uh, kind of damages, um, has kind of indicated that if, if there's a, an excess of 30 billion rand in claims uh they, they may have an issue um and i mean you know just based on I, I guess understanding the way the insurance industry works barry uh obviously you know it's all based on kind of actuarial kind of calculations and risk and probability and all that kind of stuff i mean what are the what are the chances of, of something like this happening on, on such a scale uh i mean i'd imagine you know you'd collect premiums and obviously make sure you have enough assets ready to to liquidate for you know uh, isolated events here and there, maybe one or two flare-ups. Uh, but when you're talking about two massive, uh, you know, locations like KZN and Gauteng and uh, the, 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 just the, the, the quantum that we've seen, um, I wouldn't be surprised if there, if there is one or two issues in, in honoring all of these claims. 
I think it's inevitable, Chad. I don't think there's any way the insurance industry will be able to cover everything. I think so. Everyone is obviously rushing to their brokers right now to try and like grab whatever's possible. But it's going to be a huge cash crunch because it's just, it's just too much cash at one point in time. I mean, the, the, the fact that there were like dozens of malls, like shop, whole entire shopping malls, every yeah. single shop inside them destroyed. Um, the money to go and to go and rebuild those is going to be astronomical and 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 the fact is a lot of these 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 owners are living on month-to-month basis anyway so it's like would do they have the capital to kind of um if if insurance cannot cover everything do they have the capital to rebuild and a a lot of them don't right yeah a lot of them put their whole livelihoods into these businesses only for it to disappear in this in the state of a few hours so that is really heartbreaking and yeah i think insurance we'll have to wait and see i've got no idea how these contracts are written i've got no idea how they see these sorts of claims um but yeah it's it's going to take years if if it ever gets back to where it, where it was just because of the 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 rebuild costs but also like how do you even think about running a business these days how if, if you if you're that shop owner do you want to rebuild there like like what mm. is what are your decision you got to think quite carefully about that um and maybe some of them will feel some sort of moral obligation to to rebuild but i don't know i can see a lot of business owners saying cool i've learned my lesson i'm going to go somewhere else right yeah. and that's and that's a sad thing so we have to wait and see kind of what the rebuild process looks like, but the short-term concern is 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 the food insecurity and things like fuel and that sort of thing. Yep. So we heard a lot of the a lot of the the fuel dispensaries have shut down or closed mm-hmm. at least. So I mean, Chad, in the last couple of days, there's been queues at petrol stations for kilometers trying to get fuel because people are worried about fuel insecurity. Yep. If you go to a grocery store at the moment, there's nothing on the shelves. It's 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 kind of similar to that first level five lockdown where people are hoarding toilet paper and hoarding food and stuff. So it's the additional panic that comes on top of this that makes it even worse. And that's what's been kind of frustrating on my side is watching things on social media and watching people panic. And that kind of it snowballs the effect. It it creates Definitely. more it creates that self-fulfilling prophecy. It's when everyone's hoarding food and hoarding petrol and stuff, it creates more of a shortage, which then creates more panic. And so it's kind of a it's a snowball rolling down a hill. We've got to try and find a way to to kind of control it and calm everybody down and try and figure out how we're gonna move forward from this thing. And uh, it's yeah, it, Chad. It's a very difficult situation to be in because there are no real solutions. The truth of the matter is that that we live here in the most unequal society on earth. There's no country that is more unequal than South Africa. And um, unfortunately, if you look at just the history of of the world, whenever there's this much inequality, I mean, the, the poor are going to have to step up and do mm-hmm. something at some point. Um, and so we need we need desperate structural changes. We need good politics we need leadership we need all sorts of things we need vaccines um and it, it feels a little bit a little bit um helpless at the moment chad to be honest yeah i think that's that's the hardest thing is is there is nothing you can do uh you can you can go on and virtue signal as much as you like um Ultimately, there's there's nothing that you can do at the moment. It's not a matter of um, you know being able to. I, I I guess there are communities that are kind of doing cleanups, and and I suppose that definitely helps. Um, but you know, in terms of that rebuilding, uh, you know, you're going to have to rely on institutions to eventually come around and uh, you know and 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 do their their due process. Um, I, I guess the, the wider question is is just the the kind of culture of lawlessness that that it seems is happening i mean like you say you've you've got people live on on the news i mean i remember watching clips barry of 
you know, people bombing an ATM and you've, you've literally got a live news presenter there with, with all these people in the background, uh, you know, scurrying and, and trying as, as, as hard as they can to, to get into the actual safe and kind of loot as much cash as possible. Um, you know, obviously with, with the shops and all that kind of thing. Uh, but we even saw an SBCA looted. I saw coffins looted. I've seen uh, petrol, you know, people with uh, trying to siphon uh, petrol out of out of tanks and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, so just in terms of the lawlessness and I guess trying to stop that uh, f- from escalating any further. I mean, there's been some calls on Cyril to call a state of emergency, um, which which obviously have far-reaching uh, implications. And I'd I'd definitely be keen to pick your brain on that one. Um, but uh, but yeah, like you say, in terms of a solution to this um, and and just the helplessness, it's the hardest part. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the, the police have shown to themselves to be completely ineffective. Like you say, it was completely brazen. Chad, you, you had kids looting. You had teenagers. Yeah. You had women, children. You, you like, and like you say, on live TV with no scam, no kind of concern for their safety, because the police just were completely ineffective. Um, and you can point to a lot of different reasons for that. Obviously, the police are very understaffed here in South Africa. We just don't have the money. They're not well trained. But also, I just think that the looting was so widespread and so sudden that the police were just unable to to kind of get around everywhere and weren't able to be everywhere. I think we've only got 200,000 police officers in the country, Chad. And mm-hmm. so in order for them to get to those hotspots quick enough just didn't happen. And whatever the reasons were, we don't know. Um, and now that, now the military are, are out and about, but it's almost too late. I mean, all, all, all damage has already been done, right? So the military... Sure, they can try and avoid other other malls being being attacked, but for the most part, the damage has already been done. Um, and it's it's come for a long time where, where police just don't have that control over society in the way that we see in other countries, and 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 that's it's it, it comes down to the crime that we see in the country. It comes down to the corruption and bribery that's that's rampant throughout the police force. That as citizens, we just don't have that trust in our police service. I mean, if yep. if, you, if you talk to me, Chad, I don't have that trust in sure. that police service. Sure. I, I don't know if they're acting in my best interest. I don't know if they are going to going to help me if something goes something goes wrong. And we saw that in just absolute blatant daylight over the last couple of days um, and it doesn't fill you with confidence as, as, you, as you look forward so so while while i will most of us in south africa weren't near the looting we were kind of watching it through a screen the anxiety and the fear that it provokes as to the, where where could this looting go and where could this lawlessness go is psychologically very difficult to deal with um as as white south africans we're in very privileged positions we're sitting in nice big houses in the warm in the suburbs we weren't near any of this stuff but it's 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 very difficult to ignore it. It's very difficult to think, like, this is on my doorstep in a sense. And and how are we going to live our lives going forward, knowing that that this could happen at any point in time? I don't think this is the end. Like, I think this this is just a, a symptom of the the, yeah. the structure and economy that that's been built here in South Africa. And so I I know I can speak for myself that I've had a very heavy heart and like a very anxious couple of days. And I think it's the case for everyone around the country, is that this is almost a a very dangerous red flag that points to some of the big problems we have here in the country. And the fact that it got to the stage that it did in the middle of a pandemic, Chad, is just, yeah, it's very tough. 
and in such a short time as well. Uh, I, I don't think anyone could have foreseen how quickly um, it, it escalated and just became a kind of wide-scale frenzy, um, really, and, and yeah, across different jurisdictions as well. I mean, there's there's been some uh, kind of calls for... Uh, I mean, we heard Becky earlier mention there's 12 individuals um, who are currently under investigation for potentially masterminding this whole thing. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously, you know, there's always going to be a conspiracy theory uh, no, no matter what's happening in the world. Um, but, you know, just, I guess, given how well this was coordinated, uh, I, I don't think it would be too far of a reach uh, to, to jump to that conclusion. I disagree, Jared. I don't think there's some major coup effort here. I think if you if you listen to some of the interviews and some some of the some of the journalists are doing amazing work by trying to interview the people who were looting at the time. Yep. And if you listen to some of those interviews and hear some of their reasons, it's 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 not about Suma. It's not about the politics. It's that these people felt that they'd been let down by the governments. They felt like they had no prospects for a job going forward. They had fam- families at home to feed, and and it was just pure desperation. It was opportunistic. I, yeah. I think I think if you look at kind of mob behavior and you look at the, the study of group psychology, these things do kind of grow in those ways because people realize maybe there's an opportunity here to to get some stuff for my family. And that's mm. why it grows so fast. I don't believe it was coordinated in any any serious sense. Obviously, there's going to be a portion of that that mob that are doing it because of Zuma. And there's going to be a portion who are just criminals and just taking advantage. But I think a lot of them are, are, are just poor people who just don't feel like they have any other options. And that's a really sad place to be is when you have to resort to that to get baby mm. formula for your kids. I mean, yep. I watched one heartbreaking interview with a guy who was taking a box of baby formula back. And he just says, I'm trying to keep my kid alive. That's basically what he said to the, the journalist. Um and, and that that that's just a terrible state of affairs, um, and so I think I think yes, of course the ANC are going to run with this and they're going to try and push this conspiracy as much as they can because it strengthens Cyril's position um, within the ANC and the ANC's got a whole bunch of problems they're trying to deal with themselves. So it's there's going to be lots of these theories, but Chad, I honestly believe that the, the cause of this and the reason it got so widespread is simply because of the poverty, so because of the desperation. Um, as in, in South Africa before the pandemic, we were at like, I think a 40% unemployment rate. We're probably up past 50% at this point. Yeah. And that's just not sustainable. You cannot run an economy where half the population isn't working. Um, and especially when 1% of the population controls 70% of the wealth or whatever the number is. It's just not a viable long-term solution. So it is, it's dangerous. It's a very, very difficult time for the country. And uh, I don't think it's as simple, Chad, as just saying it was coordinated by pro-Zuma supporters. Sure, sure. Uh, and, and those unemployment rates, Barry, not even considering the youth unemployment rate, which is uh, even higher, quite a lot higher. Um, and so, you know, if you did look, I guess, just, you know, just look at the footage, um, which which is not scientific in any way, shape or form. Um, but, but, you know, certainly a lot of youth uh, who just, you know, were, were kind of sitting around, had nothing else to do uh, and had no other commitments at the end of the day. Um, and, and like you say, uh, jumped on the bandwagon, to, just, just took opportunity uh, where, where it kind of presented itself. And, and those kind of youth unemployment rates are, are heartbreaking. It talks to, I guess, just the, the, the lack of... Um, the lack of, of schooling and high quality education, um, you know, in in South Africa, and uh, and that that again is, is just another another devastating problem uh, to to deal with. Uh, state of emergency. What are your thoughts on that? 
I think it's too late. I mean, I think if they were going to call that, they need to do it like days ago. I think that at the moment, there's, there's like I say, there's still there's still some isolated incidents still happening in KZN. But for the most part, the Gauteng pieces have been somewhat stabilized. Um, I think Soweto and Alexandra, the two, two, two major kind of um, uh, poor poor neighborhoods have, have really struggled in the last couple of days. But there's no point in a state emergency right now. Oh. I mean, I think it the kind of feeling in the country from what I can gauge is that we need to kind of process what's happened and, and start rebuilding things um, with the military out and about. Um, I don't see any real benefit to state an emergency. And I think it would cause more political and bureaucratic nonsense than, than, it, than it's worth at this stage. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think, it, I think it came too late. I think Cyril spoke too late. I think there was, there was, there was radio silence from the government for the first 24 yep. hours of the, the riots, which was worrying um, because these politicians were just sitting behind their Twitter accounts and just kind of enjoying the, enjoying the the, the drama unfold. Um, so yeah, I don't think it's, I don't think it's worth it. What do you think? Well, you see, a, a statement like that, Barry, the the, the worrying silence, uh, to me, to me, points points to to what I hinted at earlier. Um, and you know, I, I guess that you just need reasons for for why it took so long to respond. Where you need this decisive leadership. Um, you know, fast, fast action, um, especially when, when things were unfolding the way that they were. Um, and, and yeah, to, to see ministers visiting the scenes uh, once the military was there and it was stabilized and there was nothing else uh, going, going back to um, really just seemed like a pointless endeavor to me um, where, you know, there was very clearly, uh, you know, very worrying scenes a day before um, and a lot more leadership could have could have happened a bit sooner, uh, but but anyway, nothing nothing more I guess that that can be changed on that front. Um, yeah, don't know what else to say, Barry. Uh, it, it's it's a worrying set of affairs. I think everyone around the world uh, who has any links to South Africa is very concerned. Um, you know, ultimately, th- there's not much that we can do. I, I guess I guess other than just letting uh, the situation come under control, letting the state. Uh, take a handle on it. Um, I suppose it would be good for for international coverage um, because any international aid or, or, or assistance in this rebuild effort uh, will certainly be appreciated. Um, but but aside from that, Barry, I don't really have much more to to, to add. Yeah, so I, I just want to add two more things. One kind of connects what you just said is about the media coverage. Uh, I just want to talk to everyone who's listening right now. I don't know how many people hear this, but um, the amount of misinformation going around on social media at the moment is is unbelievable. And some of the stuff that I saw friends of mine and acquaintances of mine share on, online were just not helpful at all. And like I understand it comes from a good place and everyone's kind of shocked and, and all over the place, but I just want to call for everyone to to fact check your stuff and make sure that what you're sharing is actually legit and actually helpful. Um, because the, the the problem with international media at the moment is it's not showing a nuanced version of the state of affairs. It's not, it's not, it's not talking to the real core issues that we're trying to deal with. It's very easy to kind of run with a narrative and kind of um, just ignore a lot of the, the complications and the complexities. So yeah, I think it's very important that, that if you are going to share stuff about this, if you are going to try and contribute in, in, in that way, is to please do your, your, your fact-checking properly and make sure what you're sharing is actually legit. And the second piece is, is actually what we can do. So I've been, I've been quite buoyed and quite um, 
inspired by some of the scenes I've seen about these these rebuilding, about these these cleanups and whatnot. There are tons of Facebook groups that people are getting onto to kind of help. There's lots of construction companies that have been offering to go and help build, and there's lots of people trying to get on the ground. I mean, if you look at pictures of Durban right now, it's spotless, Chad, because there were thousands yeah. of people who went out and, and cleaned up the streets and whatnot, and the same in Johannesburg. And so I think as South Africans, we are so resilient as a people. It's one of the reasons I love this country so much is that we've been through so much chaos over the past 20 years and we keep finding a way to step forward. And so even though I was I was desperate and helpless for a couple of days, Chad, I, I'm starting to feel that resiliency again. And and I, I still believe in this country as crazy sounds uh, i still believe that we can move forward and kind of and rebuild in in a sense and it's going to take action it's going to take people actually stepping up and, and doing things not just typing things on twitter not just sharing hashtags but actually contributing where they can and so if you do have skills if you are able to go and clean up if you do have skills if you've got if you can help small businesses in some way if you can build a business of your own all of these things are what can what we can do to be practically useful in these in these situations and it can feel overwhelming to look at the scale of the problem and just be like okay what's my little bit gonna do like what is my drop in the ocean gonna yeah. gonna matter but that's just the wrong it's the wrong message and unfortunately that's it's it's not gonna help anybody to do that um, my biggest fear chad is that because of this we're gonna see even more um skilled educated people leaving the country and just taking their skills and their capital and their money with them and that's yep. that that is really sad for me because we need those people to stay here and build this country. Um, we need people like me who who have these who have skills and educations and opportunities to go and build businesses that are going to employ people. Um, and so I want to call for people that I know everyone's desperate to get on a plane to <laughs> London or to Australia or to the to the US. Um, I, I, I'm desperate for people to stick around and kind of build this country because they, I really feel some sort of moral calling to kind of help in the in here in south africa um and i think that we we should we shouldn't lose sight of that this country is amazing it's got so much potential um and i don't want people to get nihilistic about the fact that it feels overwhelming because it does feel overwhelming I, I i get that um but there are things that you can do and if it if it feels like something that, that is calling you there are opportunities to help um and so i just thought i'd, I'd say that for for anyone who's listening yeah, thanks, Barry. I think that's, uh, you know, needed, uh, definitely needed some some kind of calls for calm, um, especially when everything seems, uh, you know, like it's like it's just it's just a total state of chaos. Um, I guess you need that calm to, to kind of stabilize things and, and get back to normal again uh, eventually. So we'll, we'll, we'll obviously monitor that. Um, you know, we'll we'll touch through uh, the progress of that uh, in the next couple of weeks. Uh, but like we said, it's going to be more than a couple of weeks um, before South Africa is back on its feet again. Um, Barry, talking about uh, some other stuff that happened in the world this week, uh, I almost feel like I need to play the jingle again just to get us <laughs> to reframe us a little palette bit. Cleanser, yeah. uh, just a little palate <laughs> cleanser. Um, but uh, but yeah, let's uh, let's talk about kind of leaving the earth, um, kind of getting a complete moment of air and, and breath away from from everything when things are just going too crazy on Earth. There's an amount of money that you can pay everyone uh, to to leave the planet momentarily, albeit. Um, but uh, yeah, quite an exciting story. Why don't you talk us through it, Barry? Yeah, Chad. So this is something I'm very excited about, as I'm sure you can imagine, with my my obsession with space. Um, and we are we are watching a space race happen in front of our eyes between some very influential billionaires, Chad. Uh, of course, being Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, and now Richard Branson. 
who for the very first time jumped in his Virgin Galactic space plane rocket thingy, Chad, <laughs> and went to the outer, to the, to, almost to the, the boundary of space. So it's, it's, it's been a very big discussion as to whether he actually went into space or not. <laughs> it's, it depends on how you just, how you uh, kind of distinguish what space is. But he got on this rocket and went up out of the Earth's atmosphere and kind of orbited a little bit before coming down to land, Chad. And 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 sent some really inspiring footage of him inside this 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 the spacecraft spacecraft, um, showing what Virgin Galactic is is supposed to be. So the whole mission of Virgin Galactic is to make space travel commercially viable, Chad. So the idea is that eventually you and me are going to have a chance to buy a seat on one of these planes slash spacecraft to go into space and see Earth from from the heavens. And so it was very exciting. It all went perfectly well. Nothing happened that was untoward. And really inspiring moment, Chad, for Richard Branson to go into space. Someone that I've looked up to for my entire life. Yeah. Um, I think he's absolutely amazing. And uh, I, I got a little bit emotional watching him in space, talking about dreams and talking about what it took to make that happen. Um, and yet another opportunity, Chad, for us to maybe escape Earth one day. <laughs> oh, yeah, escaping Earth. I mean, amazing story. We were just playing some of the scenes. Uh, this is uh, a, a Virgin Galactic video, um, but uh, but yeah, absolutely amazing. I mean, Richard Branson. You know, we we heard so much of him um, and his you know crazy kind of an entrepreneurial rise uh, in the last couple of decades. Um, and I I kind of feel like he's he's been pretty quiet over the last couple of years, which is, which is what I like. He's been kind of building away. I mean, we knew this was coming along for some time. Um, you know, his, his kind of wanting to get into space and space travel. But, but I kind of feel like it's, it's, you know, he's just been ticking along, working hard, getting, getting it, uh, you know, making this a reality. Um, and now you have this beautiful unveiling um, and, you know, Say it's not space, Barry, but uh, he was floating. Uh, he, was, he, was, he was still at that, uh, you know, kind of zero gravity, which which counts in my book. Um, and uh, you know, the fact that this will be scalable and and you'll be able to do this. Um, he certainly looked. He certainly looked a little bit scared and uh, you know, kind of apprehensive in a few moments. I think, uh, but I mean, you know, he he is an entrepreneur. He's he's not a kind of uh, astronaut for a living. Um, so, yeah, really, really great to see these kind of successful space missions. We've had so much of this news in the last uh, couple of years, really, Perry, um, where, you know, before that, it was, you know, many, many years before. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think we're living in a very exciting time when it comes to space travel, Chad, because we're breaking through so many boundaries of what was possible. Um, and I think that w when we look back on this period in time, it's going to be that catalyzing moment that hopefully should open up space travel for everybody. So, of course, Elon Musk has been doing his thing with, with reusable rockets and proving just how you can bring the cost of space travel way down. And what Virgin Galactica managed to do with this thing is, is develop a basically a plane that carries the spacecraft up into like halfway up and then launch the craft from there and have a much more affordable, I say affordable, relatively affordable compared to the, the space travel of <laughs> What's old. What's the damage, Barry? Um, ways, ways to get you into space. So, Chad, apparently, so this is all rumors, of course, because they're still figuring this out. <laughs> but it sounds like when Virgin Galactic finally opens up their online booking system, it's going it's to cost you... Just $250,000, Chad. That's really? all it's going to cost you to go into one of these planes and be in space for a couple of minutes. Mm. Um, so $250,000. Um, Chad, the question is, for, okay, two questions. Number one, are you curious about this? Would you see yourself doing this? And number two, 
what would the price have to come down to to make it viable for you? Uh, so number two is is kind of uh, null and void because uh, it really falls <laughs> over at number one. This uh, is nothing that I'm interested in doing, Barry. I'm more than happy to have my feet planted firmly on the earth um, and uh, and watch this kind of high resolution footage that is already being represented uh, by everyone else who who funds uh, this footage uh, being put out. So certainly on my side, I'm happy. I, I love travel, Barry, but uh, space travel is is one level too far for me. You, however, <laughs> have a very different stance. Uh, so why don't you give us your number uh, for for your second point there? What would it take? Oh, Chad, it's, it's it's difficult because, as you know, the rand conversion to dollar makes it makes it very challenging. Yeah. So it's going to have to come down quite a bit at this stage. And until I'm rich and famous, then it won't be a problem. Uh, but I think I've mentioned to you before, Chad, this is something I desperately want to do. Like on my bucket list, I do want to go to space at some point in my life. Um, I don't want to go on Virgin Galactic's first flight, or maybe even their <laughs> 58th flight. Right? I want to yeah. see a couple people do it first. Um, but assuming that it gets to a point where it's relatively relatively kind of normal then i would really love to do it and so i'm kind of imagining chad that in 30 to 40 years time i mean if the vision kind of plays out the way these guys wanted to they want it to become relatively stable and relatively normal right and it's worth mentioning that there's a couple other companies in this race including jeff bezos who as we chatted a couple of weeks ago has stepped away from amazon to go completely on blue origin which is his rocket company and so he is doing a similar sort of flight i think in the next couple of week or two chad cool. so he kind of lost he lost the billionaire space race to branson and i'm sure he's a bit upset for that <laughs> yeah um but he's also going to try and prove that that his company can do it as well so lots of competition in the space i think the price will come down um, over time and so 250k is kind of where it is now but who knows what it looks like in 20 years time chad and for me I, I don't know why but i've just got this this absolute hankering for space i've always been fascinated by it and i would i would love to do it at some point that's amazing uh yeah that that's really cool i mean everyone you know puts their i don't even have a bucket list barry i, I best need to get right <gasps> chad, i think you've got yours chad. on your website don't you I do, barrymarice.com backslash bucket dash list and you can check out my bucket list. <laughs> Epic. Uh, I mean, you know, people have their bucket lists and, and put, you know, places and things they want to see and do there. Going to space, uh, I mean, that is ambitious if uh, if there is an ever, ever a word really for, for ambition. But Barry, just talking about flight and I must be honest, I, I did want to have this on, on the podcast as, an, as a, a section of its own. Um, but but when you asked me earlier what what it was like being on a plane again, um, it, it just felt so foreign to me that I kind of got sentimental almost at the just the prospect of commercial flight, um, and you know just just standing there and watching a vehicle. I know this sounds ridiculous to anyone listening. <laughs> this must sound ridiculous, but. Watch a vehicle reach a certain speed on the ground to the point where it can lift off off the ground, ascend to a certain level, and travel to another place, come down completely safely. It all happens, uh, you know, so so fluidly. I think it's amazing. I, 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 really, I really do. And, and when you actually do some research and look, look back into how long commercial flight has actually been around, 
it's not been that long. I mean, you know, obviously for us in our lifetimes, it, it, we it, it's just a normal thing. Uh, but when you when you go and, and look back and look at the very first flight uh, in the black and white photos and, and you just look at, I guess, how far airplanes have come themselves as well. Uh, th- this first commercial flight photograph that I saw, I mean, I don't have it handy right now, almost looks like a, a kind of war type plane. Uh, you know, I would I would feel very scared to, to get onto that thing. Um, it's just incredible how far we've come uh, in this field. And I can't help but not still get sort of sentimental about about it. It's just an incredible feat of, of humankind. I don't think it's ridiculous at all. I think it's a it's it's I feel the same way, Chad, is that we, we take it for granted because it's so common now and it's so mm. cheap now compared to what it once was. Um, but the ability to get into this metal tube, like you say, with thousands of other hundreds of other strangers and kind of trust some dude in the cockpit who's gonna fly <laughs> you across across these borders, land you in a brand new place, and it unlocks travel for you. Like I mean, Chad, I know yeah. travel is a big part of your life and a big part of my life as well. And yeah. some of the most amazing experiences of my life happened elsewhere in the world. And I just wouldn't have that opportunity if 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 commercial flight wasn't as affordable as it is and as open as it is at the moment. So I'm completely with you. I'm dying to get on a plane, Chad. I've been stuck in in the same place for what probably are two years now after spending the previous year and a half traveling all mm-hmm. the time and living out of a suitcase. Yep. And so I'm dying to get on a plane again. And I think I'm going to have that same sort of realization, Chad, that we take this thing for granted. As humans, we've invented this incredible technology and this cre- not just technology of the plane itself, but the entire infrastructure around airports around Definitely. the world and how yep. it all works together and bringing the costs down by flying these planes time and time again. Um, I don't think we actually realize how important commercial air flight has been for the development of the world and for sharing of knowledge, sharing of experiences and kind of making it more globalized. Um, it certainly changed my life. And so, yeah, it's, it's, I'm dying to do it, Chad. I'm, I'm jealous that you got to get there before me. <laughs> All in time, Barry. I, I, I hope things uh, get you know reach, reach a level of normality at some stage uh, once that vaccination program picks up on that side. Uh, but but you know just in terms of how long it actually has been around, I, I just had it had a quick Google and uh, yeah, I mean sort of a hundred years ago, more or less, uh, give or take, give or take a couple of years, hundred years ago, um, the first kind of you know passenger embarked on a plane to go somewhere, and that's that's really not a long a long period of time, Barry. And and now we're talking about you know private individuals being able to get into another type of plane and go into space it's remarkable it's it's just it's just remarkable um at the end of our last episode we we ended off uh with some kind of taunts if you'd like where the football was coming home <laughs> the the uefa you know euro tournament uh italy versus england um are we all now know what happened uh, Barry, what's your take on it? <laughs> <laughs> Chad, unfortunately, football didn't come home. It actually went to Rome at the end of the day. Um, Italy, Italy coming coming through on penalties and a very very interesting match. Um, I think every the whole world was kind of glued to their screens and yeah, definitely. Wembley was full and absolutely chaotic. I saw people fighting the security guards to get into Wembley. It was a whole a whole real mm-hmm. thing. Um, and unfortunately, right at the end, uh, England went down on penalties, as, as is unfortunately becoming way too common for the English football side. Uh, they really do have a way of, of, of messing it up in the penalties. And so, Chad, from a neutral perspective, it was high drama. It was incredibly exciting to watch. I mean, England scored in the first couple of minutes with an absolutely yep. amazing goal from Luke Shaw. 
and it felt like the whole country believed and they believed this thing was happen was possible yeah. and then Italy then proceeded to dominate the next 70 minutes of the game England yeah. held on and held on and held on as long as they could but it felt like it was coming and eventually Italy equalized and then kind of we we kind of edged nervously towards the penalties Chad and then things didn't go well on the penalties so very exciting on the neutral point of view, Chad, but lots of drama, lots of chaos. Tons of drama. I, I, I mean, I, you know, some people watched the game and, and actually said it was quite uneventful, boring at times. I mean, it was a two-hour football match, so I, I understand uh, that stance. But I thought it was uh, quite gripping at times. Um, you know, first half, England England held the ball uh, quite dominantly and and in the second half well that changed dramatically and like you said it was just a matter of time Italy played incredibly well um, although there were a lot of cards um, and you know some 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 dirty sort of playing uh, that, that we saw but I, I kind of wanted to talk about the the kind of scandals um, you know of the tournament uh, not not kind of linger on them too much Barry uh, but in the in the kind of preceding game uh, you know that that got England into this game um, I, 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 comp- I had no idea uh, but there was a, a bit of a la- laser scandal um, where a laser was kind of shone in the eye of the goalie of the opposition um, right at the moment of, I think it was the penalty uh, that, that that England, uh, you know, kind of got, I think, to get 2-1 uh, was it to Denmark. And just that kind of really bad sportsmanship um, from from the English supporters. And, and we, we kind of all heard the, the, the booing at various times in the game and, and all that kind of stuff. And... I mean that's just that's just not good sportsmanship. Not it's not what you want in any sport. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, Chad, I, I think it, it made things a little bit more sour. I, I think England mm. got such a rich football history, and of course they got such passionate fans, and got the best league in the world in the Premier League. But they do have a reputation for being really terrible, like sportsman pe- sportsmanships, at least for the fans. Like the the players are a different story, but sure, the fans sure. themselves. The amount of hooliganism in, in English football is crazy. Like you said, the, the laser thing, it's a very common thing actually in the Premier League and in, in a lot of England, unfortunately, is that people in the crowd will, will will shine lasers on the goalkeepers to try and get them to to miss. Um, but it's, I mean, that's very dangerous and it's it can, it can really damage like eyesight and that's what it's very, it's not a good thing at all. Never mind the sportsmanship part of it. Um, and, and also like the, the booing, I found in, in the Euro 2020 final, to boo the entire Italian national anthem, it's it just it's just absolutely crazy to me. Like that's not a moment to boo. That's a moment to kind of celebrate the fact that the country has got to the final and at least give them the respect they deserve. I'm sure it made the win for Italy that much sweeter. The fact that they were mm. booed the entire game and still came out with with the with the victory. So yeah, it's a little bit sour, unfortunately. Um, I think what happens when people get drunk in those stadiums is that the behavior goes out the window and there's yeah. so much passion. They desperately want to win so badly that they're willing to do anything, um, which is unfortunate. Yeah, I agree. Also very, very, yeah, I also think it's very unfortunate. And uh, I mean, I, I kind of echo your sentiment on the players. Um, although, you know, there was a part that I kind of, obviously I'm I'm staying in, in England now and I've kind of adopted it as my home. Um, so it would be easy for me to kind of just pass all these things off and, and you know, just be like, oh, no, it's all good. Um, but I think it's, you know, I, I think you, you need to you need to take the positive with uh, with the negatives. And uh, I mean, I also f- I felt the players kind of took the loss a little bit badly uh, where you're, you, you've got this award uh, ceremony that's happening and the players kind of bow their heads and the, the medals get, get thrown on. And straight away. They don't even take two steps just to get off camera, which which is all they need to do. <laughs> two or three steps, get off camera, accept your number two medal graciously. 
they straight away pull that metal off. Um, and, you know, it, it again, it, it just less left a, a kind of sour taste in, in my mouth, at least. Um, I'm not sure if you felt the same, Barry. Uh, that, that one I don't see as a big of a problem, Chad, because everybody does it. If you look at any sport around the world, I mean, I've even done it in an inter-varsity <laughs> tournament where we lost the final and I was pissed off and I took that medal off. Uh, but luckily, the, the world's cameras weren't pointed towards me. I, I think they should do away with silver medals in these tournaments. Mm. They should just shake hands and just give yep. the gold medals to the winners because the silver medalists don't want it because it's, 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 a, it's a reminder of what happened in the match. And so I've got no problem with them being disappointed <laughs> and frustrated because that's, just, that's what sport is. And so I can completely relate to that sentiment, but I, I do think it's a bit silly to do the silver medals when everyone's going to take it off straight away. <laughs> so I think I should either get rid of it, or yep. England should tell their players, like you say, just just get off camera before you do it. Just like act like you you're happy with it, <laughs> and just get off camera, and then you can take it off and throw it in the river or whatever you want to do. Um, so yeah, I don't think, I don't think, I don't see much of a problem with that. I just think it's it's that's the nature of sport. You want this yep. thing so badly, and the disappointment it hurts. Yeah, no, definitely. And uh, I mean, I'm I'm new to this football thing. Uh, I've I've made a couple of attacking comments on this very podcast um, before, <laughs> um, but but yeah, I've, I've definitely enjoyed the Euro tournament. Um, so whether that kind of gets me into the sport a bit more, and uh, you know, I, I kind of watch maybe some Champions League uh, matches and all that kind of stuff. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely championship and Champions League. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely see uh, in the future. Barry, let's then move on to our next segment. Stuff I found interesting. Couple of things we found interesting this week too, while we were, uh, you know, very upset and sad and whatever the case is, we still found some stuff interesting. So, so that's always good. Um, this one is again, very, very quick. Um, so I'm in Madeira. My, my grandmother lives in Madeira. Um, and there's this whole thing where basically Barry, I can't speak Portuguese and my grand lived in South Africa. Um, so she can speak a bit of English, but, uh, it's, it's not, it's very basic level English. So I went to visit her and it was wonderful, of course, to see her again. Um, but you know, I think we both got a bit frustrated at just being able to communicate. Um, so eventually when, when I kind of left and, you know, got back home, well, got back to the hotel, whatever the case is, uh, chatted to my mom. Um, my mom said, my grand thought I was looking so good, so much better than the last time I went, which was not too long ago. I think it was November, 2019. Um, and, and by good, she meant your face looks fuller. <laughs> uh, and I said to I said to my mom straight away, that's because I'm, I'm, I'm picked up weight during lockdown. Like I'm fat, like I'm feeling fat, uh, where to my gran, it's just completely different. She's like, you, you're looking healthy. Um, and, and, and it just, I found really interesting just the, the, the cultural differences in inter- interpretation of physical conditioning. And, and this is not something new to me. I mean, I've known it in South Africa as well, uh, where, you know, in, in some of the African cultures, uh, you know, the, the bigger the person, the kind of healthier they are because there's kind of connotations there to, to wealth and being able to, uh, to afford food and, and, you know, feed your family and, and all that kind of thing. Um, I, I thought it was fascinating, uh, especially, you know, to see it come from my, from my grand side. Um, do you have any thoughts? I think that's fascinating, Chad. I, I'm so, thank you for bringing that up. That's such an interesting topic because it reminds us how relative all of these social yeah. preconceptions actually are. So like what is beautiful is completely culturally mm-hmm. contextual. 
right? What is seen as healthy is completely contextual in the culture that you're in. And it just reminds us how ridiculous a lot of our, our, th- our assumptions are, right? How we, we get caught up in this idea that we have to look a certain way or be a certain way or talk a certain way because of the, the situation that we're in and kind of the, 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 the country we're in or the city we're in or the, the, the family we're in even. Um, but all of those things don't actually matter because you can leave your context and discover Oh, wait, there's a thousand other things I can do. There's a thousand other ways I can look at this. And that's the beauty of travel, going back to the kind of the flight Mm, conversation earlier. The beauty of travel is realizing this, that there are a thousand other ways to live life. And just because you're not fitting into your particular cultural context in a certain aspect means nothing when it comes to, like you say, you go to your grandmother and she says, you look amazing. (laughs) So I think it's it's a good reminder for us not to take ourselves so seriously and to realize that so much of the pressure we put on ourselves comes from comparing ourselves to people around us, right? Kind of we look at the people around us and we kind of rank ourselves subconsciously, like where am I in this picking order? Um, do I do it? Where do I kind of stand? How? What is my status in this community? And that impacts a lot of our decisions. It gets in the way a lot and gives us a lot of anxiety in, in, in a lot of cases. And so I think it's a beautiful story, a beautiful um, reminder of that, of that Chad, that uh, maybe with a little bit of extra lockdown weight, we're actually healthier than we thought. <laughs> Uh, I, I still hold my same view, Barry, but uh, it certainly <laughs> makes me feel a little bit better. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm definitely not going to deny that. It certainly makes me feel a bit, bit better. Uh, on your side, you found something else interesting, which which I find to be quite quite funny. Uh, you got to love a little bit of a take back. <laughs> yes, Chad. So we chatted a lot in the past about how every single app across the world is, is including stories now, some form of stories of these 24-hour disappearing videos and photos. We kind of made a few jokes about how every app is doing it, and we're waiting for Microsoft Excel to bring out Excel stories. <laughs> we made all those jokes. Um, and one of those companies was, of course, Twitter. And we've seen Twitter um, releasing a whole bunch of new features in the last year, more features in a year than they probably have across their whole entire company's lifetime. Um, and one of those features was their version of stories called Fleets, Chad. And we chatted briefly about it. I posted like two of them and got zero engagements and kind of stopped using it entirely. And uh, they announced this week that they're discontinuing Fleets. And if you okay. read their blog post, it's a quite a funny blog post to read because basically all it says is, no one used this, so we're cutting it out. <laughs> so, from, so from the 1st of August, I believe, mm. fleets are no longer chat and you will no longer be able to share those wonderful Twitter stories with the world. <laughs> I see you've now followed that Excel uh, page I recommended last week, Barry. With oh, that, yes. Uh, that oh, meme yes. On, the, on the Excel <laughs> stories. But it's it's so true. Um, and, you know, uh, I, I remember even when you, when, you, when you brought it up for the first time, you, you kind of had your doubts about the feature. Had to give it a test yourself, but had your doubts nevertheless. Um, and so I think it's a bold move um, to, to kind of be able to say, well, okay, cool. <laughs> we tried. Uh, it didn't work. We know who we are. Uh, and, and let's <laughs> kind of go back to, you know, the basics. So, you know, I, th- I, think, it's, I think it's a positive thing to, to see companies uh, realize where things are going wrong and, and kind of adapt and, and just not throw extra resources at maintaining that feature, uh, especially if, the, you know, the users had, had no need. Um, Barry, let's then move on to our next segment. Looking ahead. 
All right, we've been talking quite a bit about, uh, I mean, we on the subject of Twitter, we're going to stay on the social media theme. Um, we're talking today again about Instagram and, and we've, we've been just talking, I guess, about the evolution of the platform, uh, how, you know, various functionalities have moved around, how it's been becoming a little bit more bloated, I suppose, with all these extra features uh, over time. Um, and basically, I mean, I, I haven't really, I haven't followed him, but the CEO of Instagram um, has obviously his own Instagram page. Um, and, you know, unlike MySpace, uh, you know, he is not the first friend you have when you join the, the platform. <laughs> Do you remember that, Barry? Tom, good old Tom, Tom. man. What a, what a champion. <laughs> what a champion. <laughs> the most friends in the world, Tom did. Um, uh, but yeah, you, you can you can go and follow uh, Instagram CEO. His name is An Adam Masseri. Uh and he put up put out a video. I mean, this was I, I think in our break, uh, Barry, when, when you know when we weren't podcasting, and I kind of missed it in our first episode. But uh, you know, came across it again this week, so I thought let's let's chat about it. Um, and he he basically talked about the vision for the platform. Um, and, you know, some of the things that they were going to do. So, uh, you know, the four sorts of subgroups were, were creators, video, shopping and messaging. Um, and I think obviously we'll, we'll kind of see how that all unfolds over time. Um, but, but talking about just what Instagram was and what it is now going to be, it's very clear that Instagram is no longer an, an image sharing site, um, specifically on, on video. Um, and I think no one can kind of explain it better than, than Adam himself. Uh, so let me play a quick sound bite uh, on the strategy on video for Instagram in the future. But today I actually wanna talk a bit more about video. And I wanna start by saying, we're no longer a photo sharing app or a square photo sharing app. The number one reason people say that they use Instagram in research is to be entertained. So people are looking to us for that. So actually this past week in our internal all hands, we shared or I shared a lot about what we're trying to do to lean into that trend, into entertainment and into video. Because let's be honest, there's some really serious competition right now. TikTok is huge, YouTube is even bigger, and there's lots of other upstarts as well. And so people are looking to Instagram to be entertained. There's stiff competition and there's more to do Then we have to embrace that. And that means change. So what you're gonna see over the next couple months really is us start to experiment more in the space of what we call recommendations. So showing you things in feed that you may not be following yet. We just started testing an early version of this last week. This week is a new version that's coming out with topics where you can say which topics you wanna see more of or less of. But we're also gonna be experimenting with how do we embrace video more broadly. Full screen, immersive, entertaining, mobile first video. And so you'll see us do a number of things or experiment with a number of things in this space over the coming months. I find that fascinating, Barry, uh, just, to, just to see how this platform has evolved. Um, and to be completely honest, I actually saw a couple of weeks, months ago, uh, a little survey pop up on my Instagram. I'd be curious to know if you saw that too, uh, basically asking me what I use the platform for. And, and I guess this is where they gained all of that data from and that people are looking to be entertained. Um, I specifically answered all of my questions, uh, not kind of you know, kind of going away from the, the the case of video on the app because I like it as a square grid photo sharing app. Um, <laughs> but but obviously, you know, I was the anomaly, and obviously, there were a lot more uh, answers and to to people who are liking the features of reels and uh, and uh, you know longer form video. Uh, so talking about this, obviously, we 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 spoken about this before and and kind of aired our, our concerns about full screen and you know having video uh 
vertically versus horizontally, all of this kind of thing. Um, it seems like this is what they're going to do. And uh, your feed is now going to be filled by recommendations um, rather than obviously not entirely, but a lot more recommendations of videos that they think you'll find entertaining rather than the people you've chosen to follow. I hate this, Chad. I hate this. <laughs> and it blows my mind. It blows. I never thought I'd hear the sentence, Instagram yeah. is no longer a photo sharing app. I mean, that is a, that is an incredible thing to say. And I think that's mm -hmm. why, that's why some people have been discussing this, Chad. And it's very clear that it, that they are struggling to to match TikTok. It's very clear that TikTok is kind of growing at an exponential rate, and I think they're much more powerful than we even realize, Chad. Um, and this is a direct kind of response to what TikTok's TikTok TikTok's yeah. been able to do. Um, and and so, yeah, I can. I don't understand this move. I really don't. Mm. I think Instagram had this absolutely hallowed place that was the home of photos. And it doesn't make sense to me why they would ruin that. They could easily go and build Reels as a separate app. They could of easily course. pour lots of resources into a separate video app and, and kind of have a go at competing with TikTok in that way. But to dilute the feed and to start putting in recommendations that you aren't following and kind of making it more TikTok-esque, you're going to lose that magic of what Instagram is and, and, and can be, in, in my opinion. And I think that they're going to struggle to beat TikTok because um, the algorithm TikTok has and the, the amount of like the data they have behind those videos is, is unbelievable. And I just don't know if – I mean, Instagram have got the scale, of course. They've got, I don't know, what, how many billion people on, on the platform. Um, but uh, I don't like this at all. I really don't. Mm. And it's – if I look at my own behavior – on, on Instagram, I certainly have been spending more time in stories than I have in the feed than Same. in the past. Yeah. So like stories has been a, a, is a really big feature and it's a lot of the reason I do go to it. So yeah. I understand that element of entertainment, but it's low quality entertainment. I don't like the fact that I'm going to stories, right? <laughs> I don't like the fact that I'm going to there. Um, I'd much prefer to go through reels and see beautiful photos and see inspiring like pieces of, of content in, in, in the visual space. Um, and the same with reels. I, I, I kind of made a joke a couple months ago that uh, that reels were nonsense, but I have been pulled into a few rabbit holes okay. over the last couple of weeks, okay. and I have found myself scrolling through reels um, for longer than I would like to admit, Chad. So they are addictive. <laughs> I, I certainly understand that, okay. but it's such low quality entertainment. Like when I finish an hour of scrolling through reels, I feel terrible about it. Mm. I'm like, what the hell did I just watch for an hour? How did I just sink all that time into these nonsense? Um, and so, yeah, I, I don't like this, Chad. I, I, I think it's a mistake from Instagram, but what do I know? Apparently, I'm not the target market. <laughs> I feel exactly the same. And I guess it just talks to the ultimate aim of all of these companies, and that is to make profit. Um, ultimately, what they're trying to do is monetize your attention. Um, and what they've said is there's a competitor in attention. Um, and and he's, he's very openly said, you know, TikTok is huge and, and we, we have to do something. Um, it's all about getting the attention that is currently being diverted elsewhere. It's, it's got nothing to do with, um, you know, the, the kind of initial cause behind inventing Instagram for, for the first place, having these wonderful high quality images, I, I suppose not that high quality, but having, uh, you know, feed, being able to, to just look spe zone specifically into images. Um, you know, Twitter handles the words, YouTube handles the video, this is the place that you need to come to to look at images. Um, and, you know, that's, that's, just, uh, that's just changed uh, completely. Uh, and uh, Ray 
basically echoes your uh, your sentiment, Barry, um, which is that he's also disappointed uh, with his, his real <laughs> viewing. Thanks for tuning in, Ray. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, but uh, it, it's crazy. It's just crazy that, that this is how the platform's evolved. Um, and, and ultimately, like I said, it, it just talks to the reason these uh, big social media companies are in existence um, to, to monetize attention, um, which is terrifying, really. But uh, I guess we it's the reality and we, we, we know that. So Chad, I've got a question for you on the back of that. Is that you're you're a photographer, you're a video creator, you're like an aspiring creative on these platforms. Like what are you what are you gonna do now? Like do you do you think you're gonna <laughs> lean into this new direction and start creating for these new formats? Like how, how do you think about building an audience going forward? Because the way that we've kind of been been taught for the last couple of years, you build an Instagram following through lots of photos and, and hashtags and all these kind of old school ways of building audiences, mm-hmm. even though it's when I say old school, it's a couple of years ago only. Um, how are you thinking about moving forward? when you're building an audience um are you thinking about creating vertical video or is this something you you think you might have to lean into even though you might not like it like where do you see the creators going going forward yeah i mean gen- generally on, on, in the creative space i mean obviously i follow a whole bunch of, of different creators who who have started transitioning did you, did you see peter did you see peter mckinnon's video on this topic by any chance? i haven't seen it it popped up in my feed barry along with many others i haven't seen it um but but you know if there's any kind of views that, that you wanted to bring up of his from that video um i'd be i'd be very keen to hear them so so, so why, why i think his video is so interesting is that he's known as this like absolute film like buff and nerd and he's very very particular about his production and his production quality is some of the best in the world and yep. he's kind of he's kind of one of the people you would think is going to stick to the highly produced highly like focused content on youtube and he made this video talking about exactly this about how tiktok and instagram reels and all these things are taking over the attention of the consumer and what his strategies are going forward and it feels like he's going to start leaning into that and he's going to start leaning into making more vertical video and less produced video and it felt like a very out of character video for him to make Mm. because as you know like he is an absolute like purist in that sense And so uh, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on this topic, Chad, and then I would encourage you to go and watch that if you, if you get a chance because it felt very out of character and it was one of the stranger mm. Peter McKinnon videos I've seen because it's, yeah, it's a weird one. Is he trolling us? Is he trolling us? I mean, I've got to go and see the video <laughs> myself. Um, but, but, but that definitely doesn't sound like him. I mean, I, I, I basically hold to, I think, what you'd expect from me um, and I'm not going to be leaning into these features at all. Um, just purely, purely Barry, because it is vertical video, um, and it and it, it it kind of it doesn't achieve any of, of what I wanted to achieve. I mean, if you look at the reels, um, a lot of it is kind of like you say, very low value. It's it's very much kind of humor, um, you know, tips and tricks to to do this or that. I mean, you know, a lot of people are kind of just trying to to ride the algorithm, um, and so you hear all of these tips like. Uh, people saving posts is, you know, is really good. So, so what, what do people do? Well, they, they put out all these tips and tricks and uh, all of those kind of things to refer back to, to later on. And so I, I don't know, I, I kind of, I kind of like to still believe that, you know, I would, I would do something because I want to do it rather than because um, that's where the following is. That's where the, the platform is going. That's what everyone else is doing. Um, you know, it, it kind of just doesn't, resonate um to to what i would do and so if if the platform evolves and uh you know horizontal video becomes much more of a thing 
um, and and it's integrated nicely into the grid and, and it's it becomes a place that I can then upload uh, the videos that I'm already producing um, potentially repurpose them you know somewhat um, then then maybe I'd consider it but at this point in time I've, I guess I've kind of accepted the fact that I've missed the wave of Instagram and picking up a following there and so you know at the moment you can put as many hashtags as you like you're going to get the same number of <laughs> same number of views it's it's all your friends uh the same number of likes i've kind of just accepted that and it's just become a place for me to, to, to put stuff um just so i can have for myself really um you know whereas i think yeah lot, like like you say lots of people are kind of chasing the audiences um and i kind of i kind of hope you know i'm i'm, I'm kind of a bit a bit romantic in that sense where i, I kind of hope it just happens organically and you don't have to kind of try too hard or, or try and be something that you're not, um, which is, that's a view I hold. Um, how about you? No, I, I, I can't expect that from you, Chan. So I'm glad that you're sticking <laughs> to your guns there. Uh, I, yeah. I, I think that you have to understand like where your strengths lie. And like you say, a lot of the, a lot of these kind of short form videos very much about short form humor. It's about jumping on social trends it's about kind of following the crowds and i mean if you scroll through reels for an hour chad 70 percent of it is just new takes on this exact same idea or the exact same joke or the same yeah. trend right so it's not it's not creative in that way it's just about understanding what gets attention and it becomes it's like junk food it's it's video exactly. junk food that's kind of how i see it um, whereas youtube still has a huge community of people who are interested in well-produced pieces in good storytelling in kind of different takes on different subjects and so I think it's, it makes a lot of sense for you to focus your attention there and kind of keep building the, the, the things that you are building because of what, what you like. Um, what I'm hoping, Chad, is that what this will prompt maybe is a couple of entrepreneurs to start new photo sharing apps. Yep. And maybe you see a new kind of format or yeah, a new idea, maybe a cleaner, um, more more minimalist type photo sharing app to compete with the likes of Instagram, right? We've chatted about how these social media companies are so big and so difficult to compete with. Um, this is an opportunity for for some smart people to to build new the, the photo sharing apps of the future that maybe shy away from this attention junk food and maybe focuses on more kind of artistic kind of things. Mm -hmm. I think there's a couple of these. Um, there's one of the V that I can't remember right now that's kind of focused on very high quality videos. I mean, not videos, photos. Okay. Um, and so hopefully we're going to see more of those going forward, Chad. And, and maybe that's where you grow the audience in the, in the years to come. Yeah, and also and also higher quality as well, Barry, because like I, like I said, Instagram has the restriction in the number of pixels you can upload in a photo. Um, and so for, for people who do take photography seriously, uh, you, are, you are very limited in that sense. And so, um, like you say, to see another app come along that will be able to hit all of those, uh, you know, all of those points, I, I think it could do well. Um, you've got cameras being sold left right and center and all of these people who want to pick up this wonderful art um they need a place to put it um and so you do have Flickr, um which you know i've used once or twice before um but i've never kind of um you know religiously posted there um and so it would be it would be great to have more of a kind of social media type site that lets you upload this high quality imagery um and uh, and yeah kind of take us back to i think what what instagram aimed to do uh, at some point in time um barry we've got one more thing on the agenda in develop and grow but i am aware we're we're a bit over time kind of 15 minutes do you want to you want to do it or you want to chat on it next week chad it's your story so it's your call buddy i'm not <laughs> sure how, how how you wanted to tackle it so i'm going to leave it in your capable hands okay let's quickly move on to develop and grow develop and grow 
to be completely honest, I don't think we're going to be here too long, Barry. Not too much here. Um, but obviously, I've touched on in the, at the top of the episode uh, the fact that I'm in Madeira at the moment. Um, and, and I am here alone. Um, so, uh, you know, as, as much as I did visit my gran and, and whatever the case is, I am here alone. Um, and it's, it's just kind of, I mean, Barry, you and I have spoken offline a couple of times about this. Um, but, but enjoying experiences by yourself without other people with you um, is a completely different, it's a completely different kettle of fish um, to being able to kind of um, feed off another person and feed off excitement and uh, novelty and, uh, and and enjoyment uh, in a particular moment and I guess then be able to reflect back on it later on in life with, with a level of nostalgia. Um, and so, yeah, this, this trip has been interesting to me. Um, I, I've heard a lot of people who have very strong views about solo, solo travel and how important it is and uh, I guess just important to, to be by yourself and uh, kind of have a better sense of who, it, who you are uh, ultimately, because you have no one else um, having any play on the decisions, uh, timelines, what you're going to do at a particular time, uh, what you want to eat, you know, all, all of those kind of things. And and while, you know, individually those might seem pretty ins- insignificant things, uh, when you when you throw yourself into that situation for a week, um, it, it it really is very interesting. Um, and uh, to be honest, I've, I've enjoyed parts of it, but but for the most part, uh, it's it's kind of call to home how important it is to have people in your life um, and you know not just a romantic partner but but friends um, and and acquaintances and and just human connection I mean we've we've said so many times before Barry that we kind of uh, you know what is the word what is the word uh, we, we, we're kind of <laughs> what is the word I'm looking for we, we're beings that need each other we, we need human connection um, we're social beings that's the word that I was looking for we're social beings um, and, you know, to be thrown into a different country where, you know, the majority of people don't speak the language you do, um, you, you, you're kind of isolated and, and by yourself. And, and while there are some wonderful, refreshing, uh, enlightening experiences that you'll have in that time, um, I still think with other people to share it with, um, you know, it's just a completely different experience. And it's kind of made me miss it in a way. Um, but I know you have thoughts on solo travel, too. So I'm, I'm very keen to, to hear those. Yeah, so so I completely understand where you're coming from, and I understand that sentiment very well. Um, I, I have a slightly contrarian take, as you're alluding to, in that mm. I've I've found incredible amount of value in solo travel. So, kind of my my background, I, I, m- most of my international travel has been solo over the last couple of years. Cool. So, I haven't been in long term relationships during those periods, and I found myself doing lots and lots of solo travel. And um, for my job for eighteen months, I did it yeah. all the time. I was barely in barely in Joburg, right? And so, what what I think about solo travel is that I think it's an acquired skill. I think you get better at enjoying it and better at appreciating it over time. Chad, you've kind of been spoiled because you, you and Kel and your fiance have been together for, for so long now. A lot of your yeah. travel has been with her and been with other, other friends of yours. And so you've never had really had the opportunity to do long-term mm. solo travel, right? And it's like you say, it's difficult because it's it's lonely and it's 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 weird and it's you don't have you can't kind of share those moments with people and and you get home and you want to tell people stories and people don't really care about your travel <laughs> stories as much as you think they're gonna. Right? And so it's it's difficult in that sense because you're going through this experience yourself and like you say, you have this desire to share it with somebody. And if it's just you, it 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 can be a little bit sad sometimes. It can be a little bit kind of 
um, meh in a way. Yeah. But what I'd say Hello. is that yeah. there is there is value to be discovered in those moments, and if you're able to kind of um, go through those times and 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 see it for what it is, and kind of enjoy that experience in a different way, you can learn a hell of a lot about yourself. I feel like I'm a completely different person because I went through Japan and Amsterdam and New York and all of these places by myself exploring the city going mm. to all these museums going to events by myself with no one to share it with I, i'm a different person because of those experiences and over time i got better and better at learning how to do that right learning yeah. when are the moments that i do need social connection when should i go to a bar and try and, and try and chat people or right. when can i spend six hours myself and of course it's going to come down to your personality so my personality is very introverted so it's a lot easier for me than sure. say an extrovert might, might might find it but what i'd say is that there is there is magic in solo travel and if you speak to anyone who's done extended periods of solo travel they'll tell you about these stories and they'll tell you about how they've learned about themselves and it just comes down to accepting the situation for what it is and learning some of the skills as to how to enjoy those moments chad and so i, I don't think it's something that you should like avoid at all costs sure, i think sure. there is value there Definitely. but I, I understand it's difficult in the, in the beginning especially to to really find your way through those moments when you're so used to traveling with other people um and yeah i think it's it's there's value in both and there's value in both yeah yeah, no, I, I definitely see see the merit, um, you know, of, of solo travel. And, and like I said, there have been some some great moments, um, you know, yesterday specifically walking down the kind of promenade and having this just beautiful, I mean, you can see right now the sun is shining very brightly on my face. Um, it's beautiful <laughs> weather and, uh, you know, just having having the camera at hand and, and being in no rush to go anywhere else. Uh, you know, you, it's your complete own timeline of, of doing things um, and, and kind of actually planned by even an evening in a way uh, to, to kind of land up at a very particular square almost um, at a certain time at sunset and you got the busker there um, you know having a drink by yourself and and yeah some moments feel hollow like mad like you say Barry because there's you know there's nothing to you kind of sitting at a, a dinner table by yourself and it's, it's weird it, I'm not used to that um, where you know, like you say, I, I guess once you've, once you've done it a couple of times, um, you, you kind of get a bit more used to it. But on the whole, um, you know, I, I, I definitely am not going to write off the prospect of it. Um, and, and I see the value. Um, I, it would certainly help, I think, if I was on an actual holiday um, and, and able to, you know, have, have a full day to plan to, to kind of do with whatever, I, whatever I'd liked. And, and I kind of felt maybe confident enough, like, like you, Barry, to go into a bar and kind of strike up some conversations with some randoms. I mean, there's, there's tons of Brits here at the moment, obviously, with, uh, with the travel um, restrictions on. And no, 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 Chad, you've got to talk easily. to the Portuguese people. <laughs> you can't speak to the people you know. A lot of the magic of solo travel comes from pushing yourself out of that comfort zone. Yeah, it, it, it's it's scary in those situations because you don't have your friend to rely on. When yeah. you when you when you travel with a friend or you travel with a partner, it's very easy to just interact with them the entire trip and never actually engage with the culture that you're in. And so it, it, when you're with, in the, on those sorts of trips, you can very easily find yourself in the same sorts of restaurants you always would go into, yep. talking the same conversations you always would with your friends and your, and your family, right? But I, I promise you the magic comes when you push yourself out of that comfort zone. You actually go and engage with locals and you do things you wouldn't normally do. You see things you wouldn't normally see. And you kind of soak in that atmosphere for what it is and try and understand what a local living in that city is actually about. Yeah. And so I think that solo travel forces you to engage much more with the city that you're in than having that crutch, which is your friend or your partner with you, where you can kind of just 
talk about the same stuff you always talk about. Um, and so don't know, Chad, don't talk to the Brits, talk to the Portuguese people. <laughs> oh, Barry, that, uh, that description, it just, it just sounds also good. Um, ending, ending us off again on, on such a great note. Thank you very much, Barry. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll certainly, like I say, return to, to the prospect and, and I'm also introverted. Um, so, you know, it should be an easy thing and I'm, a, I'm an only child as well. Um, so I'm used to this, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I guess, I guess, you know, you, you sometimes just need to, to get to that level of, of kind of confidence and enjoy that freedom, um, that these trips can bring. That brings to an end, uh, an absolutely jam-packed episode. I mean, we, we touched everything on the spectrum today didn't we barry i think so chad right from really a mood roller coaster starting on some mm. very sad stuff and ending on some very happy stuff and so i hope that we found giving you some value if you're listening or watching right now we really do appreciate you and if you are in south africa we, we, we're praying for each other we're praying like to get out of the situation if you are struggling right now with anxiety and frustration and sadness and all that stuff you're not alone Please know that we're all going through the same thing. And it's in moments like this, you got to reach out to your friends and family and kind of be grateful for what you have, right? So phone that friend and tell them that you love them. Phone your mother, phone your family and tell them that you love them because it's in moments like this that we need to stick together. And uh, yeah, I think that that's kind of the prayer that I have for everyone going forward. Uh, wherever you are in the world, like let's keep sticking together. Let's keep kind of keep socially engaging with one another. Hmm. Don't get into those isolated periods. And stay off the news. Stay away from the news. <laughs> news one is such an easy one to get lost away in. So, yeah, if, if there's anything that I can, um, you know, echo enough is uh, from this last week, don't, yeah, have a very limited uh, inlet for, for kind of accepting news in. Um, and, yeah, those slower news sources, Barry, we always keep talking about it. The slower news sources, the better. Um, the live TV on repeat is never a good thing. Um, so, yeah, thanks so much for, for tuning in, as always. Um, I, I wanted to end this one off by, by actually asking uh, if you can give us a give us a follow on our, on our personal uh, platforms. I mean, Barry, you punted your, your website a bit earlier on. Um, for, for your newsletter and all that kind of stuff, barrymaurice.com, is that where everyone can, can find everything that is Barry? Yeah, exactly. That's the website. And if you want to subscribe cool. to the newsletter, you just put backslash subscribe after that and you'll get there. But it's pretty easy on my website. So barrymaurice.com and uh, you can follow all my stuff there. Amazing. Uh, and you can check all of my stuff out at uh, Chad Sturley. Uh, Instagram and YouTube is is the two that I uh, I think I am the most active no on. No TikTok. Um, no TikTok. That, that story's not going to come. It's, not, it's just not going to happen, Barry. Uh, like I said, not me. I'm going I'm, I'm to remember this. I'm going to clip this moment. And in a few years' time, when Chad is big on TikTok, I'm going to bring this moment back. Don't worry. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. I don't think it's going to happen, but uh, I'll, I'll let you clip it on uh, just to see. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, we've, we've loved spending time together, of course. Uh, and we'll see you the same time, same place next week. Oh.